Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod Crash, the original podcast by the members of the band Mo. This is episode number 10. That's right, the big run zero. And on this momentous occasion, we had the chance to sit down with our good buddy and bass player, Mr. Rob Durhack. Listen along, you might learn something. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to Moe's Pod Crash. This is episode number 10. I'm Rob Durhack. I'm here with Chuck Garvey. What's going on? Vinny Amico. Yo. Al Schneer. Howdy. And Jim Laughlin. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been many a moon since we've... I don't know. I don't know how long ago it was. About, it was what, a week ago, two weeks ago. But uh, thanks for tuning in. And today, I am the. I'm going to be the subject of ridicule. I'm going to be the the guy they ask questions about. So, without further ado, let's get this train rolling. Delve into Rob. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Durhack. Deep into Rob. So I can't find the uh, salary page on. <laughs> I wish I never started that. <laughs> well, when you Google somebody's name, like the second thing that comes up after name is is net worth. Yeah, <laughs> like what they could sell you for. Mm, he's he's got some big organs. <laughs> I do, especially my liver. It's a little used though. Uh, here's a starter so basically you learned to play the bass in in mo for all intents and purposes correct yeah about two or three years ago okay. <laughs> it's it, it, it also, it, it also true that chuck was the one who largely taught you most of the things that you know about the ways of the world no uh or just, well, just, I didn't have any formal lessons with Chuck, if that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what sort of happened was I went to school at UB and uh, I didn't University play. Of Buffalo? Yeah, University of Buffalo, SUNY Buffalo. And Chuck was on my floor, but uh, my roommate had a 12-string guitar and he played, you know, he was a strummer and um, was a pretty good guitarist. Uh, and he, he's allowed me to pick it up and start playing. So he showed me some chords. It turns out I wasn't, you know, completely adept at playing right off the bat, but I had a passion for it and I just started playing a lot. And Chuck came down the hall with his, he had one of those, what were they called? Like um, a rock man. It was like, you plug your headphones into yeah. an amp and he's like, here, why don't you use this? So uh, I just used that. So he came walking down the hall with a headphone amp I was like, here, why don't you use this? That's exactly you it. You suck. <laughs> no, we, we played in the um, the bathroom. It had one yeah. of those big, like, um, shower, um, like the whole floor used, like, this big open shower thing. And it, the, it sounded awesome. With, it did. Uh, it sounded really good in there. Yeah, it was fun. So we, we would just, you know, play in there because it was fun. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, but you know, Jim showed me some chords and uh, I started playing some stuff. Um, he had, he had a Jim, Jim. Jim. Jig Jim. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, he was Big my roommate. Jim was the roommate. Um, met like demo through Big Jim and scary chicken and uh, monkey wrench because he was friends with them and i kind of got got a passion for the music scene and really wanted to do stuff uh musically it just it just it just grabbed me pretty hard but uh i didn't actually play i just played guitar for that semester i believe and then i think uh, chuck and i we went back home for a break and i ended up going and getting a going to Nicotera's music in East Utica, <laughs> and I bought like a little honer copy Beetle bass and started to learn bass on that. And nice Nicotera before Chuck taught those. me anything, I I I had a I had a guy a lesson a guy a guy gave me new lessons, and that was about the extent of it. And and then we just Chuck and I you know I learned we played together, and he would you know show me the bass line that he needed to hear for like a song. And <laughs> so. Um, before we before we move on too much let's uh let's go back to big jim for a minute he he appears in in a couple of your songs correct uh the references to him in definitely in skitchin yeah in skitchin buffalo i I can't think of does does he show up in timmy at all are there references to him or no not that I remember, no, no. Okay, I don't think so. and I felt like there was something else. There was another older song that had references to him, and I can't think of what it was. But maybe I'm mistaken. I maybe think you're mistaken. mistaken. All right, yeah. There you go. There it is, yeah. people. So, Big Jim, Jim Baldwin, uh, whom I've been in contact with recently, um, he was a fantastic guy, but um, I was not ready for him. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I was more ready than any anybody else. He was, uh, this was, what year was this? Maybe 1989? Yeah, 89, I think, when I went to Buffalo, or 88. Probably it was right around there. Yeah. yeah. So, I was 19 20, years old, I guess. 19, right, yep. Yeah, and um, I I transferred from the University of New Hampshire, uh, where I was just going part time anyhow. And when I, I I got into a few state schools, and Buffalo is what I chose because I had some friends there, like Sam, your old girlfriend, Chris Carr. <laughs> Did not know Chuck, but I ended up transferring there. And when I got into school, uh, it was late. They had no housing for me. And I got to school and oh, they put right. me, yeah, yeah. They put me in a, uh, it was like foreign student. Like it was like this house that was way off campus. And like, it was just filled with a bunch of foreign students, none of whom were speaking each other's languages. Like an office trailer on the edge of campus. Yeah. Except it was, you know, it had probably like 10 or 15 of us in the, in there. <laughs> um, like my dorm room that my freshman year was six people. Nobody spoke English. I didn't know anybody. It's horrible. Yeah. I, I had a little shitty blow up mattress that I slept on in, in a room on the floor. And uh, I was just on the waiting list and I got, an, I got noticed like, okay, so there's this, um, there's one guy that's uh, already gone through two roommates and this was like within the first three weeks of school. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, uh, what's the deal? He's like, I, we're not really sure, but you know, just heads up. He's, uh, he's just a little bit older, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't care. That's fine. I, he was 38 years old, <laughs> big, big dude. 
turned out that we got along great. We were like, became really good friends, but like, you know, he didn't want to deal with some stupid freshman kids. And I, I'd already, I was really, I should have been a junior at that point. Cause I'd already been through two years of just <laughs> figuring out what I wanted to do. So I, I had a little bit of life experience behind me and I didn't, you know, I didn't piss him off too bad, which, you know, if I did, it would have been scary because he was freaking massive and had like a, you know, giant fists and stuff. <laughs> he was actually just a sweetheart. And uh, it was, you know, just to get some perspective, he was so 38 for me at that time, which even like now I'm 54. But the 38 guy, 38 year old that I was looking at seemed like ancient and he was like a Vietnam vet. So it had probably been only like 15, 16 years since he was in Vietnam. When you think about it. Right. <laughs> yep. But like to me, that was an eternity. Yeah. And, right. uh, so he was he was still, um, you know, it was still pretty fresh in his mind. He was a gunner <laughs> on a helicopter. He got wow. shot. He had like this massive scar. He's so yeah, that's that that's an awesome roommate mate. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he hung out with us too, though. He would always hang yeah. out and he was, but he was serious about school, which I was not. Is he the big Jim? Is that where they got the name for the band? I assume so. Yeah. I mean, so they said, I think they've said, no, no, it's just something else. But I'm like, no, that's, that's bullcrap. They're all friends with big Jim and they, you don't just come up with the name big Jim. <laughs> so how long did you guys play just in the dorms like how was how long was it before you guys did like the halloween party or any other kind of <laughs> public or moved out of the shower like into yeah. the hallway <laughs> uh we had we went a whole year in that dorm because we moved to another dorm by the next year and chuck and i were sweet mates when we did our first gig so that was in 1988 i think Right. Uh, and then uh, went home. I picked up a bass in the summer, went back to school in 89. We, 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 um, no, 88. We jammed in the garage <laughs> for a summer and then, and then we went back. Did we jam in the garage? A little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, in my garage. Actually, it, it, there's a more drinking than jamming, but yeah. Right. Is that when I blew up your amp and set it on fire? No, that was later. Right. Um, but the next wasn't wasn't it uh, the next fall when we uh, med met Ray? Yeah, I was I was dating this girl named Heather or something Heather, uh, and she was friends with a drummer who was Ray, and uh, she was having a Halloween party in her basement, and they wanted to have a band, so she asked if Chuck and I would want to meet Ray and get together and play the Halloween party. So we did and we got along great and played a bunch of stuff that we didn't really know how to play. A lot and of so, covers and yeah. like maybe one new like uh I think we Halloween. played Messina. Oh, did we? No. I think we played Messina and Psycho Pimp Boogie. Really? <laughs> wow, that I was believe so. that was fast. <laughs> Would um so was that was that when you were you were billed as uh Sprockets for that? That was when we were billed as Sprockets. Yeah, we <laughs> Because that's who we were. Yeah. <laughs> really wasn't Mo. There was nothing Mo about it. There was black turtlenecks and black pants and German, German ex here. Accent. Yeah. Something German. Yeah. <laughs> something right. German, something German. <laughs> so technically um, your girlfriend at the time is the founder of Mo then. Pretty much. Yeah. The executive <laughs> producer. <laughs> I had also sort of, 
I, I feel horrible about saying this, but I had also sort of like wasn't really into it that much. And I was on the verge of like being, I, I just don't think I was actually over my last girlfriend at that point yet. And which is part of the reason I wanted to be a musician, because I just wanted to make her jealous that I could do music. <laughs> <laughs> and she would come crawling back to me somehow. Look at me now. That's yeah, basically. Those are the crazy thoughts that were going through my head. I'm going to win the state championships diving. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I, kind of like was on about to do a thing where I was like, you know, I don't think this is working out. It's me. It's not you. And like... <laughs> <laughs> instead she instead before i could get those words out she was like you want to meet my friend ray and he's a drummer and we need so a band play at a party and i'm just like in, you know in my head i'm just like that's all i want in the world that's all i want in the world if i dump her now then <laughs> and i'm like okay so like i dragged out our relationship like another month and i don't think she was really into me that much anyway so it didn't matter you know likewise she might have just been using you so she had a band at the party i hope so i really hope so it'll alleviate some guilt from <laughs> let's see how uh, yeah. this thing with ray works out <laughs> <laughs> which it turns out uh ray was awesome he's really funny it was fun to to jam with him and started we started um writing so that was i thought this was, was awesome. about me it is it's it's because brought Ray yeah. into this yeah. orbit. I was, I kind of feel like you I took, kind of brought took, Chuck into the orbit as well. Cause Chuck was like really resistant to doing any band stuff because he was going to be an architect and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said anyway, but <laughs> I, I felt like I was really pressure. I pressured him a lot to do this stuff and he was always sort of coming along reluctantly at first. Uh, I, I wanted to, but I, I, I was, yeah, I, maybe that's I was just him. I was trying to be like, uh, I was doing school. <laughs> Chuck was Garvey, not, but I reluctant was, participant at life. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was not awesome so, the architecture stuff yeah uh, i just or, or me like, getting you to play <laughs> both the music music stuff was um more my speed i guess yeah. well clearly he would have I mean, failed miserably at, at being an architect yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i i would i would probably put the bottom on the top of everything <laughs> <laughs> So most stuff aside for a second, I want to, I want to know, because I grew up obviously with all older siblings, all my, my older brothers and stuff, and you're the youngest one in, in your family and the same thing by, you know, a stretch yeah. between you and, and your younger, uh, youngest brother. Uh, uh -huh. how bad was it for you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so after to the last I mean, three of you. All have kind of like a similar, well, you know, Chuck was all older sisters, but yeah, you guys Chuck, all are. Everybody was. I'm all boys. Youngest. Chuck's, yeah. And Chuck has all sisters and Rob's the, Rob's the mix. Right. I mean, we're all, we're all the youngest in our families, but like Ben and I came from relatively small families and you guys yeah. came from like, you know, this Brady Bunch size family, <laughs> but we're like, you know, that. Well, that, so that, so that's really the, the thing. Because like, we were the Catholics. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. So, I mean, I guess Vinny Catholic too, but you, yours is a broken family. Yeah. So did you have a, we all, I mean, did you have a closest go ahead, sorry. 
a closest sibling or did you like do because i i each of my brothers sort of had a separate influence in a separate category for me you know like yeah like john uh got me into sports willie got me into cars uh kevin got me into martial arts michael got me into music tommy got me into just trying to be a better person (laughs) Um, <laughs> so how did that work out? <laughs> uh, it, it came along late, but I th- you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Did you, we'll be the judge but, of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did it come out? Asking Tommy's the wrong, asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> or were you, were you just closest with John or did you hang out with like your whole, like it, like in that manner? Uh, no, it's, I almost, my childhood was like a weird mix between being the youngest and being an only child. Yeah, that's, um, so my closest in age, a brother to me is Kevin and he was, he is eight years older than me, but I would say growing up too, he was probably, he was like my big brother idol and he was the closest to me. It wasn't really uh, my brother, John, I, I got, I had like moments with all my siblings, like my oldest brother, Joey, I, I had, he's like 16 years older than me. And he was already my earliest memory of him. He wasn't even living at home when I was a kid. So he had already moved on and might've gotten married at that point. So I didn't, I didn't have much of a relationship with him, but I did like, he was like my first as a little kid, like, you know, my big brother, Joey, my big brother, Joey, he's, you know, my hero, but Honestly, that's the most I remember about him. So like growing up, it was me and Kevin uh, and he was there because my dad worked a lot. So he was he was like my male, my male influence. He was the person in my life that was. What was the um, what's the age gap between you and you and Kevin? Eight years. And so is he the I know you've you've mentioned this before. Was he the one that was was partying when you were older? And either took you to a party or, or was that John? No, no, that would be John. Um, so, and so what's the age gap there? Just so we can talk about how old John is. What's John? John's like, uh, 12, 13 years older than me, I believe. Brother John is in his brother John. Yeah. Yeah. What the incident you're referring to, I was, I was about 12. He was already, he was already married with a kid and he was going to school at Elmira. So I, I was trying to get, you know, desperately into camping. I really wanted to. I, the, all that stuff appealed to me, outdoors stuff. And John agreed to take me for the weekend in Elmira. So I don't know if my parents paid him to do it or something. I'm not really <laughs> sure why. They, they dropped me off with him and like the weather got a little bit, a little bit dreary. So immediately, you know, he was like, uh, I don't know. And then he, the first thing I remember, he took me to a local bar and was hanging out with his friends <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the corner, like playing pinball or something. And I could hear them like, I can't believe you're co- you, what you got to come to this party, man. You can't, well, this is going to be huge. It's going to be. So then like, then I remember him like saying, Oh man, I've been listening to the weather. It's not going to be good. You know, um, maybe there's a party in Ithaca though, you know, so why don't, you know, you can come and you I'll take you to the party. And I was like, I was very disappointed. And like the last thing I wanted to do was go party. I, w- I that wasn't my style in twelfth grade. You know, I still was. I still was a good boy. Not twelfth um, grade. You were twelve years old. Yeah. Twelve years old. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't even 12th know what grade partying means. Twelfth grade. You, yeah. You would have been there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I did nothing. And I just wanted to do good things with my life and for other people at that point. Um, so innocent and young. At that. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to be a priest. Yeah. At that point, I, I thought I was going to be a priest at one point. So. 
but that's that's a whole other story so anyway he was like it'll be you know him he's just like oh it'll be tremendous it'll be uh this tremendous they're having a tremendous pig they'll have a tremendous pig roast <laughs> mind-blowing it'll be a mind-blowing pig roast and I'm like okay why don't you take all right fine so i go there and i'm just standing outside like what the fuck am i supposed to do and like somebody hands me a cup of beer and i'm like i don't i don't want a cup of beer i like i eventually i just like some of his friends would talk to me and he was like all over the place hanging out with people and they're they're roasting i'd never seen anything like it they're roasting a pig and it's like it's a giant body of a pig <laughs> on a fire like i'm like this is horrible like i, I and he's like <laughs> like my meat came in like bologna form you know at that point I, <laughs> it was like a tube of finely sliced foodstuffs <laughs> So like he he's like yelling at me for not wanting to taste the pig's face and just like <laughs> he's like just people are picking off of this dead animal and I was just like oh my god I don't, I don't want to do this and he's like you know berating me for not wanting to eat the pig because it's tremendous I'm just like thinking about the whole time I'm like why am I not all I wanted to do was go camping I just really wanted to try camping and hiking and then it just gets day goes on and I'm just still sip, sipping beer and I don't even know if I was drunk at this point because I don't know how fast I was drinking it but then we these people were rich and they had an indoor pool so the party moves indoors and next thing I know this topless woman comes over to me with a tray and it's like a big pile of weed in the middle of the tray. And just like, uh, it, it was like, you know, total, total, like 70s swinger vibe, you know, <laughs> inside. And there's like, you know, uh, all these finely rolled joints in a circle around the pile of weed. And I'm just like, ah, and I didn't know. I, I'd never even seen pot before. And I'm like, God, which isn't actually true, but I didn't remember seeing pot before another story about my brother, John. Um, next thing I know, like, they're dancing by the pool one dude like there's like boobs everywhere and just naked women and a couple naked dudes just dancing with each other and i'm just standing there fucking 12 years old i didn't even have pubic hair at that point i was just like <laughs> i had no idea what to make of it and then my brother finally was like all right we should probably go like you know he was dying to stay and get naked and Yo, dance with yeah he would have been girls. right there on top of it um yeah, one of his friends is like, you you need to get out. You need to get this kid out of here. And that was like what that was the catalyst for. I keep expecting to hear the Jim Ignatowski moment in that story, like the episode of Taxi where he first the first time he eats, eats the brownie. Yeah, yeah, he's like a he's like a I just watched that again. Oh my god. Yeah. I did not smoke the weed. I was mentally scarred from that. I'm still am. I still, I still am. like hearing this story. <laughs> yeah. The other story about why I actually smoked weed before I was like five, maybe. <laughs> and my brother, John, was a was the high school, high school kid, junior, senior. And we had this big shed and I walked out and back then, you know, you could smoke, I think, at like 13 or something. I forgot what it was, 15. And I walked out behind the shed and he was smoking. Smoking and I was cigarettes. like, oh, I'm going to tell mom and dad that you're smoking. And they knew he smoked, so it wouldn't be a big deal if he was smoking. So they knew if he was smoking behind the shed that it was weed that he was smoking. And I said, if you, I told, I, apparently I told him, if you don't let me try it, I'm going to tell mom and dad. So he gave me a hit of a joint. And I got stoned. <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah. 
Nothing He's like done a lot of horrible things to me now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like having older brothers. So, well, this is this is not about this is not about brother John. No, this is going. What to, a wonderful human being he is. Right. So, I, to answer Jim's question, I was much closer to my brother Kevin. Uh, <laughs> but, but, he got me on. into sports, and but, but John had John had like a, a lot of records, though, right? <laughs> he did. He got me. John was my musical influence. He's the one that basically got me down this path of being, or I don't know. He didn't actually actively participate in it. He just like, um, he's, he's my musical guy. Wow. I guess he's the one who got me. Even though, I mean, Kevin did too, but it was, it was sort of a different thing, but it was, uh, John. But John's a, he's a big Steely Dan fan. Correct. He is. And he's right. a player too. Like he right. played guitar. He had a band called Mojo and the flip side five when he was in high school. <laughs> I think he was actually the bass player in the band too. Huh. Yeah. He, he got me down, listening to his records, you know, like I listened to little feet, Frank Zappa, Steely Dan down in his bedroom and there you go. And all that good stuff. And everybody's got those either older siblings or friends with older siblings. And that, you know, it, it, there seems to be a trend here. That's always kind of the case. It's like, there's always kind of like those older kids that had that influence on us all, probably, you know, just for, you know, having that music around, you know. And I remember specifically like being at my cousin's house and my, this is my cousin Jeff, who I hung out with all the time. And his older brother just had the greatest record collection. <laughs> and, you know, we only had what we could afford at the time, which is just like a couple records each. But then you have the older brothers who've got, you know, a hundred records already, which is awesome. So they've got all the Zeppelin records, not just one <laughs> or not just one Van Halen record or you know it's like all of those things but then he was listening to stuff like elvis costello and you know bruce springsteen and but this isn't about me um no but, but yeah there's the there's the you got to get the influence somewhere it's not right. a big thing that was my influence too was w-o-u-r in utica oh yep the music they played on O-U-R was all the stuff that I wanted to hear that was a big thing for me and I assume you guys as well it, that was always is. on, you know, that was the station that I would listen to all the time. Yeah. And, and it's funny, I was just doing an interview with somebody and I mentioned that and that also being a common thread, and even though Jim, you didn't grow up with it, it's probably not unlike 95 X or whatever, like the, we, the equivalent yeah, was or uh, right. WNEW. Right. Yep. And um, this, this particular station was so good. I mean, it, it in in my mind somehow it was like what WKRP was in that <laughs> yeah. you know you had these DJs that were like Johnny Fever and they like gave a shit about the music and they would play deep cuts and they would play whole album sides and they curated this love like this passion for rock music it wasn't just playing BTO's greatest hits or whatever, you know, like if there was a concert coming to town and it didn't make a difference if it was the Ramones or Bruce Springsteen or the who, whatever, they would start teasing it, you know, two months out from the announcement of the oh, tickets yeah. going on sale, you know, and just get you like, I couldn't sleep until like the day the tickets went on sale. And then for six months, they would just do nothing but like play all of that stuff and have like these rock blocks of that band. And so by the time they came around, you were like the biggest, what, fill in the blank, the biggest Ramones fan by the time they came into town or whatever, because you've been listening to them for six months. And like, that's all anybody's ever talking about. And if you weren't going... 
you just like you were dying because you weren't going to that show and everybody was talking <laughs> about it. And I mean, it was just, I mean, they were great that way and they were so passionate about the music. Well, and there's always that thing about just radio in general. Like, and I imagine for you guys, it was even more of this. Listening to the radio was something that you could actually do because you didn't know what song was coming next and stuff. So you right. drive around and literally listen to the radio and that's all you yeah. were doing. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I mean, like if I did it in like the suburbs, I would imagine up in a smaller suburb, a more open area, like driving around, listening to the radio was a pretty awesome, awesome experience. Right. I remember right. you were listening to Led Zeppelin A to Z and taping the whole thing, like putting in the, and you had to listen to the whole thing. So you, so you didn't have, so you could get every Led Zeppelin song on the A to Z weekend. Whereas the A to Z minus one. And there was like one song they didn't play. Right. But I had like four tapes full of Zeppelin tunes with like some cuts in the middle because I ran out of tape, you know, and then I, you know, memorized the cuts even where the freaking tape stopped and where it started again. But that's how I got my, my Zeppelin catalog. And right. I mean, that's how we got a lot of stuff. It was like taping it off of the radio. I remember making mixtapes that way. And it's like you said, oh. like you sit around listening, waiting for a song to come around because there was, that new song from the cars that I wanted on my mixtape or something, I couldn't afford to buy it. So I'm just going <laughs> to rip it, you know, from the radio or whatever. So, Good times. And then at that point, I mean, at that point in time, you weren't listening to the radio thinking like, this is what I want to do. You were just listening to the radio, like loving what you heard. I'm not sure about what point in time we're at right now, but... Um... What, like when you were listening to WOUR? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I thought I was going to somehow be a professional lacrosse player, even though there wasn't any uh, <laughs> professional lacrosse <laughs> it wasn't. league. I, re I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I, I When I was in high school, it was, it was all about friends, partying, playing lacrosse. It wasn't so much about going to school. But somehow in my head, you know, like I, I, I always had that, like, like I said, I wanted to be a priest when I was younger. So I think I think I was just... I felt like I've had always this sort of need to be like looked at or heard, you know, <laughs> in some way. And I just didn't know what it would be like. I, I, I just, I don't know. I've, I've, I feel like, um, I must have had some sort of, I don't know, some, something that told me that I need to be on stage doing something. You know, I remember when I was little, I used to make puppets and I thought I could be a puppeteer and then. <laughs> And then I wanted to be a priest or I wanted to be a professional. It was never like, oh, I want to be an accountant or I, I need to uh, deliver the mail. And, you know, that was never like something it was always like something that was going to please people and make me famous somehow in some way. I wonder if some of that comes from, again, you know, like the culture that the culture of like the entertainment culture that like we grew up with because because of like the variety shows that that we would see or you know like the celebrities that we would see and it seemed viable that sure you could have a show you know whether it's you know like the captain in Neil or even like even the gong show make it seem like <laughs> oh i loved the gong show right seem like anybody could be on tv and do a thing or like you know the early stand-up comedians and all of that and i remember like as a kid trying on all of those things to see if i could be a ventriloquist whatever it is a ventriloquist i had one i had a, a dummy i tried to be a ventriloquist like <laughs> 
I tried to be a ventriloquist. I thought maybe I would be a comedian or like I kind of like I wanted to make movies or do, you know, do comedy in some way. And until I discovered music in a way that, you know, I, tr I tried to discover music when I was younger and it was just being in those situations where it's controlled by somebody else in a way that uh, I, I just did not jibe with it. You know, I had one music teacher that was my chorus teacher who was amazing and she was great. And she got me um, when I was, I don't know what grade I was in. I was still in a uh, grade school though. She actually got me, I didn't even know I could actually sing. And she got me a tryout with some like traveling, world traveling boys choir. This is just one catch. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I, I could have done it. And my, my parents, my mom was just like, no, you know, I, I can see now that I, you know, she was like, if you go on this, you're going to get violated. <laughs> I had no idea. I was just like psyched. I'm like, I'm going to be in this, you know, I'm going to go to Germany. I'm going to do all these things. And she's just like, parents are like, well, I'm not sending some stranger over my kid. That's exactly what it was. But I was just, you know, and that was the, that was sort of my end of the choir experience in it too. I think I kind of <laughs> lost interest. So when did when did you when did you decide or was it conscious or not that you were going to do music for your living? Like, did you all of a sudden say, I'm yeah. going to do this or were you just like, what else am I going to do or fuck it? Um, we're gonna, you know, like how, it, how did that came, all kind of decision happen in your head? Uh, I had spent my entire life trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And when I learned how to play guitar and when when I switched to bass and had that moment where it all like came together for me in my head uh, way before there was Mo, before there was, you know, before. But I, it was it was when Chuck and I were playing together. We didn't have a name for what we we're doing. But then it was just like I immediately was like, this is it. I'm going to make a living at this. I, I didn't even say that. I'm just it was just like this is. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I had no questions in my head about it. It was, that was it. And it was all drive after that. There was a lot of practicing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was no, no school, just playing. Yeah. We just played <laughs> both, both of us were like, Bleh. yeah. Classes just became second. They, they didn't, it didn't matter to me. I would find myself sitting on my bed and all of a sudden realize I had been there from the time I had, you know, the time I was supposed to go to my first class to like dinner time. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been playing my fucking bass all day long on my bed and didn't even know that that much time had passed. Well, those are good times. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying when you can, you can like just be so wholly immersed in a thing like that and just not even not even know. Well, that's how I got driven. I mean, that's how I ended up being able to play, you know, like I had been playing my whole, you know, for, for 10 years in a matter of like two years, because I, I really didn't stop playing. I just did it. Right. And I didn't, it wasn't forcing myself to do it. It was complete um, immersion. It was like, it's just drive that I had no control over. Well, good thing classes, you know, it was like what, three grand to go to school for the year. So <laughs> With housing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, I mean, if it, if it was nowadays, it would have never happened, you know? Right. I would have immediately been kicked out on my butt somewhere and delivering garbage. Right. <laughs> so, so fast forward 
a couple of years. And Honey, the garbage is here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and there you are. Taking out the garbage. Not taking um, it out. I'm delivering it. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm thinking to when this is probably 92 now. Uh, no, when it's yeah, probably about 92-ish, 93. I can't remember exactly when it was. When four of us, uh, meaning me, Jim, you, and Chuck, all make that decision now with Mo where we're going to take it from what we're, we were doing at that point and decide, okay, we're going all in. We're going to do this full time. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know where that fits into your, into the growth of the whole thing, because, you know, it's like you said that, you know, you kind of knew once you, well, like, like during that time when you were all in on the base, like you kind of knew, okay, I, I found my thing. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. But it felt like there was this other, this other thing where we all kind of had to take, take a real hard look at what we were doing and decide like if we're really going to take this leap of faith or not. Um, All that, that time when we kind of went through that yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. There were, there were a few other things that, you know, were tempting me along the way, but honestly, I was just kind of waiting for you guys to come around. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's true. I was just like, I, I, in my head, I was just like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is what I want to do. There was a couple, you know, like I kind of could have went a direction where I had a more real job and got married earlier. Um, but thank God my w wife, but girlfriend then uh, had no, no inkling on doing anything like that until she had kind of sowed her oats and done the, th did the things she wanted to do. So uh, we were both with a, with a little, in, you know, I, I don't know if it was so much encouragement, but just like, you know, the fact us getting together and, you know, that was just not even an option for us. Right. <laughs> so it was like right. un disencouragement of uh, getting married and spending a life together for a while. Right. And I, th I think I know what you mean, though, because at that time, everybody was sort of in that state is like, OK, well, do I finish school? Do I get serious about a job? You know, uh, my relationship, et cetera. Like which which like we weren't and we were not all committed to one another 100 percent at that point. And that was sort of the thing where they're like, fuck it. Like, you know, we all love playing in the band so much and it was seemed like the thing to do, but it also seemed scary as hell to me to just decide to, like it's it'd be like just deciding, OK, you know what? I'm going to move to Australia. It's just a thing I'm going to do and I'm going to leave the United States. I'm just going <laughs> to the other side of the world. And it just seemed as radical as that at the time, even yeah. though people do these things all of the time. It was just not not the normal path or not the normal course. And I guess, you know, I felt like, you know, we four kind of, as would happen, I guess, in a group, we're all kind of being pulled in different directions at the same time, but then had to make that unanimous decision to do that. I had I none of those boxes checked at that, at that time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like uh, you tell this story a lot. And uh, I think really this was an internal struggle that you were dealing with. Hmm. <laughs> and but and uh, that could be because it's my that's my per perception well, of my perspective you have an organized way of thinking and um thank you well that's true <laughs> you, you kind of compartmentalize stuff and, and not in a bad way just you know it's just like this is this this will be this and that you know like mm -hmm. uh and i think at the time I was doing everything. I, I just was playing in the band and loving it. And it just seemed to me like 
we were going like I, I think you had I think you had a plan that had to be followed through with. <laughs> I didn't have a plan. I was still playing. I was just like play more and more, do this more and more and play and do it. And I think like you saw the bigger picture where I was like, okay, if we keep doing this, we actually have to give up something that we could possibly have to do this. And I was, I was just like, just do this. Let's just do this. Yes. And I think it got and to that point and you were just like, you had to like say, okay, we have to make this decision. Right. And, I, and my head was already made. Right. And, and, you're, and you're I didn't realize right. that we were making that decision. <laughs> right. I need but to it's put, like, I, you're right. I, I, the thing is I like organizing things, whether it's thoughts or whatever. And, and I do it all of the time, probably much to, you know, everybody's like, <laughs> dismay or chagrin like because i have to do that it's like okay we can't just have a conversation and move on i'm like no no no, no. let's have a conversation and let me outline all of the details for you <laughs> yeah i'm more like a dog the notes i'm just like do what feels good do what feels good do what feels good and then get hit on the nose and be like ow <laughs> <laughs> what the don't do that i was gonna say at that time i i, I was i would have died you know if you're like hey we're moving to australia i'd be like all right yeah. <laughs> cool. We gotta take care of Jim in Australia. Fuck that. <laughs> I think that, like, a big part of that thing, even with Al's question, is that you know when you so like you knew, so you're playing the bass and you're like, this is what I want to do. But at that point, yeah, you really, it's like, all right, but I, d I don't know how. I I did not know how. Yeah, no. like which like which vehicle? Like I think that's the. Cause it, you know, early on, I, it was the same mentality, but I didn't know how. Maybe. Well, I kind of, I felt like I, in my mind, I felt like I built this to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean this in like, uh, I'm not trying to sound, I, I, what's the word, like uh, completely self-absorbed or anything about it. But like, I feel like, like I got Chuck to do this with me. Then we got a drummer, you know, like I got a drummer to play with us to do all these things that I wanted to do. And I feel like I sort of manipulated a lot of the situations <laughs> to turn it into what Mo is. So you're finally I mean, accepting the blame is, is what <laughs> I, I can, I feel like, yes, I could probably be blamed for a lot of this, but I never had like a great plan was, as to how it was going to be. There, there wasn't yeah. a lot of just being at like, what was funny or fun to do? So the songwriting was kind of funny. It was just something to make ourselves <laughs> uh laugh or or you know just like sound <laughs> what the hell is that <laughs> like that it's a coconut monkey with a lacrosse helmet okay i thought so Duh. <laughs> i mean what i mean by any of this al just before you take too much offense with it <laughs> I'm not offended. okay I, I, I was just gonna say it's like i like chuck had no inkling to play music with me whatsoever i don't think he wanted that and i was not good enough like he played with actual musicians at that point but i sort of like you know wore him down into playing with me <laughs> and we didn't have a drummer and then you heard that story yep i mean you also got me to be in the band right so yeah no i'm not i'm not offended by that what i was going to comment on was if you rewind 10 minutes back to when you were a child and trying to figure out how you could be in the middle of something on yeah. stage and doing a thing i mean 
you did it. Yeah, you had a plan the whole time. <laughs> right. It's the so thing. I say that like it's this wasn't part of like some master plan or something. I mean, maybe it was. It was, but I have no control over what the master plan was. It's just something forcing me to do things that I have no control over. Well. Right. I mean, so that's the thing, like, you know, just by choosing Chuck, <laughs> if it makes sense, but by choosing Chuck, now, now you're at the whims of Chuck and all of his Chuckisms. You know what? And Chuck was the, the chosen one. <laughs> but that's, you know, he you just know showed up and it worked out. <laughs> I think that, I think that Rob was always like a producer, like he would get people together to, you know, get a project. Yeah. Project. <laughs> and I do some uh, good parties too. Yeah. So, and then, and then everything just was built on that, like, you know, putting all this stuff together, you know, fun and um, creative things. And it, it was Rob's drive or whatever was to pe put people together and get the best out of it. And he still is like that. So well, thank I, you. I think so. Well, and, and here we are. 39 years later he's still working on it <laughs> i'm still working on it yeah I, you know it's it's uh maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is i just have this drive to make a make a great party and have everyone and also, enjoy themselves that's, you were that's you a were, pretty good you, pretty good motivator you were really into film and i you yeah. wanted to like make <laughs> They, well, you know, but I was but not was good the, at it, by the way. <laughs> right. But it, it's it's the same. The thing It's the same thing. Like, if you think about it, like you have to get all the people together and be creative. And it's it's kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, making a film or um, making mus music. It's the same thing. Sure. And I think I, I knew I was I think I had like that um, left brain artistic drive and just had no it took me a while to find out how to express it so i went through trying to draw i went through film video writing and it turned out that music was it for me by the time i got there i had just given up on music because of schooling and the like the the, the teachers that i had when i was in band and stuff it was just it seemed like a chore more than anything it didn't seem are you like saying fun. that your soul was saved by rock and roll <laughs> When you say it that way, I fucking no. hate you. <laughs> now I got to find some other way to enjoy myself. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> just um, 30 years of work. <laughs> Why did I do that? So I, I have a question for you. And this, again, sort of goes back to you being a, a shitty bass player that doesn't know what you're doing at the beginning of this whole thing. <laughs> wow. But those, I don't think I ever said Al. that. <laughs> you're the one who said through your words. I, I don't know. We'll have to listen. Al's the tape somehow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. Incompetently inadequate and shouldn't be a musician or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, how something about having a tiny dick. I can't remember. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. So to go from that, though, to... Yeah you know, spending two years of not coming out of your room and, <laughs> and, and then, and then here we are 30 years later playing full time, you know, and all the, all the 
things that Mo has done that we don't don't have to rehash. Um, <laughs> and and now you have your own wooden monkey, coconut, coconut, your own coconut monkey. the The thing that I've noticed in the last couple of years is that I've seen another another growth spurt in you that I think is really cool in that I see you playing with a bunch of other musicians. I see you like breaking away and do it. Like there's something about, like I've seen this growth in you as a musician in the last couple of years that I didn't, like I hadn't seen for a while. And there's something new that, that happened. There's like a, there's a, a, like this new thing and it's, it's really cool to see and I like it. And, uh, and I just wonder if, if you know what I'm talking about and I don't know how to quite put my finger on it, but yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, I don't know if it's spiritual or what it is. It's hard to explain and I don't want to get too out there, you know, with it. You have a coconut monkey. All of my hopes and dreams are within the monkey. And when I break open the monkey, it will unleash hell upon the earth. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel different. You know, there was, I, I would, I, I would say there had to be some sort of catalyst for it. Um, after, you know, going through all my cancer crap. Uh, I wondered if that had something to do with it. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think you have to kind of believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I came to the conclusion at one point that for me, like I need, like, I, I've always just like done, just started like building crap, you know, like making things. And it turns out that that's what I like to do. It doesn't have to be good. It's just the process. And I'm inspired to make things. And I'm, I, I get very inspired to, to write music and make new music. And, you know, spiritually, there's probably some sort of thing going on where I have some sort of muse somewhere like poking me with a stick from you know the nether regions telling <laughs> the, <laughs> the nether regions of the outer sphere you know giving me some some sort of i i i don't really know this okay you know like i i'm not scientific i don't have i i just do stuff you know like i do sure. things and um i don't compartmentalize it and i I probably to my detriment a lot of the time, but also there's an amount of like freedom with that. And honestly, I've always, I, I was able when I was much younger than this to just break free of like giving a crap about what people thought about what I did or what I do. Um, and I just try to do good things and just create. And that's what drives me. Um, you know, having, having cancer and realizing that, you know, like, oh, I, I, I actually could have just died or I could have lost my ability to sing or do and all these things, which, you know, it has affected me in a way, but, mm -hmm. uh, all that stuff kind of puts it into perspective and it just kind of gives you a little bit of a jump to continue doing what you want to do. And like one day you're not going to be here. So, so does it, does it almost give you like a, a, like in addition to giving a jump or a motivator, does it also give you the freedom to do it somehow? Well, you know, part of, part of having freedom is, is being released of certain responsibilities. So when you get older, it's almost like what it's like before you take on responsibilities. When you start to get older, you lose a lot of the stuff that you didn't have to think about or deal with. And uh, so having 
having the ability to do what I want for more than, you know, once a year, (laughs) (laughs) um, gives you a little bit of freedom in that way too. Sure. I guess, you know, I wasn't thinking about the, like the logistics of it so much, but just the, the thing that you were talking about, the having your life being put into a perspective like that, if it somehow, you know, like you said, it gave you a jump to, to do these things and maybe it, it, it'll, I guess what I was getting at is it allows you to get back to a place where maybe you don't give a crap so much about what other people think or those things to, to get to a place where you could be more creative or just be, be more you or be more at peace with yourself because, because life is so fragile or whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, you have that and it's a lot more fun when you don't give a crap about what other people think. Right. Right. Um, That was my point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can get to a point where like you either don't care enough to not even look at what people are saying about you or just don't care when you look at what people like for me, I don't even I I care so little about what anyone would think of me or say or do that. Like, I don't even ask about it or ask anyone. It used to be like I, I didn't care, but, you know, what what did what did they think of it you know and then (laughs) um then be like oh well you know well who cares or whatever so like the whole idea with like cancel culture for instance is like you actually have to give a crap if you're canceled to be (laughs) hurt by cancel culture if if like you know the fact that all these people are like we're not gonna you know do that like i yeah, sorry. I, if you just don't even pay attention to it, it doesn't exist for you. Yeah, that's true. And not that, you know, not that I'm, I, I, it's just a, an example. So criticism of my singing, criticism of um, what songs I would write or my playing or any of that, like anyone else, it would hurt your feelings to have somebody crap on something that you love. But I've gotten to a point where I'm not doing it for those purposes i'm doing it to to provide happiness like my own happiness inside and hopefully you know if if i do something and it gets through and i i can finish that project and get that awesome feeling that comes along with getting that thing done that's what i'm that's all i need and i'm I'm not looking for anything else from it good what a what a great place to be there's a book called free play I don't know if you guys have, are familiar with it. This um, it's written by this guy. I had to look up his name. I couldn't remember. It's Stephen Stephen Monovich. Um, but the and the whole thing is about getting to that place in your mind where you you can get out of your own way so that you can be complete, like one hundred percent creative, to be wholly creative like that, and without having another voice in your head without having those things in your head and like the problem that i have sometimes is that i get in my own way i start there's there's another voice there's there's something else saying well what about this or what about that whatever instead of just listening just playing just being like just being so free and pure like in the moment it's hard it's hard to get there without having you know all the other opinions it's a yeah without drugs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I'm I'm like this miraculous person who isn't affected by anything. You know, I'm just I'm just saying in speaking in generality, you know, like Sure. I also have a strict belief that all 
all written knowledge, all books are just an outside way to manipulate your personal growth. So I don't read anything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't read because I don't know how. (laughs) So, but are you, how critical are you of yourself? Oh, clearly not too critical. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, Like, I know what I like. I'm not like you, you were talking about, I remember what doing your interview and you know, your goal was sort of like, I want to be able to do anything I want to play at will. So I have the freedom to do anything I need to do. And I don't have to worry about it when you're playing. That's not really how I approach it, which is, I mean, not to say that it's a bad way, uh, but like for me, it's, there are things that I would, there's nothing, there's really nothing that I can't play that I want to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of people who are much better and more proficient at doing things, but I don't want to do that. Hmm. I have no need and no, no desire to be able to do those things. All the things that I want, all the things that I want to do, I can do. So as far as being critical about it, it's just a matter of arranging those pieces that I know that I like, that I love and arranging them in the way that come out right. And that's where my criticism lies. See that because I don't necessarily, uh, you know, depending on the person, but general, generally speaking, I don't care what anybody thinks about what I do or whatever, but I mean, you, you, I, you've heard me on stage. I yell at myself <laughs> in the middle of a show. Yeah, between you and Chuck on the recordings, you guys have to stop. <laughs> it's not. There's a, so many good things ruined by like ah. I think thing. it's coming from the crowd. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And you listen, it's like it's literally the soloist <laughs> yelling at himself about <laughs> fucking up. Because that's like that's my that's the thing that that I need to deal with is my own. So I was just wondering. Like, okay, so you don't give a, give a crap about anybody else, but how, like, do you ever get critical yeah. of yourself or? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, do you ever get critical of Jim? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> ah, damn it. <laughs> all the time. I, I'm, I'm critical of, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a complete dick. Um, I'm critical of myself. I'm critical of everyone around me. It doesn't mean I don't love everyone. I love all you guys, but I, I can be super critical about it. And it's, it's sort of like, I just don't have a filter. You know, the, 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 those aren't things that need to be said, Rob. Those are things that need to be thought and gone away. Rob. <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. I'm definitely critical uh, of what I do um, all the time, but I also, I'm not so critical that I would want to make that stop what I'm doing in any way. Like if, if I do something on stage, that's bad. Like we play, for instance, we just played, um, we just played, uh, in, in California, the winery show and we came down to doing a solo and I just, I just duffed it, man. I did so bad. I did just like, I, I just lost whatever I was trying to do. And, you know, it was definitely one of the, a situation where I thought to myself as I was doing it, I was like, if I had approached this more like what Jim was talking about, there would not be this issue. <laughs> but then I also thought about it, I'm like, I really don't even want to be in this situation. Like, I don't want like I don't want to have a solo. I just want to 
I want to make good music and like, I don't need this particular thing to be happening here. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like this is even like, even if I killed it, like, why, why would I, you know, what's the point? You know, I, I, sometimes that happens where you're just like, Nope, not feeling it. And so I was totally critical, but at the same time for the stuff that matters, the final, like when I write a song and get the song done and finished, if it's if we finish something and it gets to a point where it's done, done, I'm not critical of it. If it gets to a point where it's done and we just don't like it, then, you know, then I'll be like sort of critical. and I'll be like, you know what? It just wasn't good. That's it's either not good or not for us. It just is what it is, you know, and it doesn't have to be. Not everything you do is going to be great, you know. Look at all the hairstyles that we've had. I feel like that was aimed at me, but no, I was, I was, (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't argue with it if it was. No, but I I mean, I can envision, I'm looking at all of you, including myself on the screen right now. And I'm imagining all of you with your worst haircuts and myself (laughs) and they were bad. They were really bad. I mean, Vin looked like Mel Kuyper at one point. (laughs) Yeah, Jim had like the shaved head dreadlock freaking nose ring attached to his ear thing. Right. Al Al had the balding dreads. <laughs> Chuck had the flock of seagulls haircut or whatever. I I dyed my oh Vinny dyed his hair too. I mean like but Blonde, whatever, you know. Platinum. <laughs> those are things that's okay to be critical about. You you you, you know, you can it's the, you know, those those are things you can change and they don't matter. And you, you know, you're supposed to give the people you love a hard time about them. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You can't just show up feeling great about yourself when you do something completely freaking offensive and stupid. <laughs> I feel like that one was <laughs> Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I was honestly talking about myself, I, I, you know, like, but yeah, it's okay to feel bad about yourself. It's okay to be critical. All these, I don't know where the world has changed where like everyone's supposed to feel great all day long about everything they do because it's just not reality (laughs) i don't know what how that became something it's all it's all like internet based somehow it's all social media based right because everyone's happy all the time you know you're only to booze is for (laughs) (laughs) amen brother that reminds me i gotta go shopping how long have we been doing this? I don't know. Usually I'm the one who I know. does the time and uh, I, I wrap it up. But since I'm being the interviewer, I wasn't able to the interviewee. I was I'm, not able to do that. I'm still okay. I still have so many I've questions got, and I'm enjoying myself. I was finding out a lot of information on this one. I guess I still have so many more questions. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we wrap this up? Because it's already 75 minutes and then... Yeah. We can always do more. Hey, everybody. This has been Moe's Podcrash. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> you just blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> Meters are spike. Vin, what do you have to say? Later. No. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I skipped. I skipped the thing. You're not even paying attention. <laughs> like I'm watching him. He's like looking at his phone. Like so, my brother was just telling right. me. I was just telling him I have to call him back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so, no show out is confirmed until. No, sh- hold on. Stop. Hold on, Vinny. Just you stop. lost your ability. Just fucking <laughs> stop. Chuck is Chuck is yelling now. <laughs> He's got his dander up. Stop. Uh, anyway, we get out. Of, we should get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, folks, for tuning in. 
we appreciate you. I hope we didn't waste too much of your time. Um, this has been Mo's Pod Crash. And remember, no gig is confirmed until Vinny remembers that we are on stage. <laughs> this has been Pod Crash, the original podcast by the members of the band Mo. Once again, we'd truly like to thank you for tuning in. If you got something nice to say, just leave a couple stars and a comment below. If not, well, you know what you can do. Take care, everybody. See you soon.